Hey everybody, so if you are someone who does not really like conflict, you don't like confrontation, you really want to have epic relationships and connections in your life, but often find that you go into people pleasing or withholding or just getting really scared to speak your needs, or maybe you avoid, or maybe you kind of explode, whatever it is, we all have our ways that we avoid and deal with conflict in not so healthy ways. You are going to love today's episode. I have one of my friends back on the show, Jason Gaddis, who is just exceptional at teaching us how to have better, more thriving relationships. And we talk about his new book, Getting to Zero, which is all about how to work through conflict in your high stake relationships. So let me tell you a little bit more about Jason. He's an author, relationship expert, and coach who teaches people the one class they didn't get in school, how to do relationships. He leads one of the most in-depth and comprehensive relationship educational programs and trains relationship coaches all over the world. He has thousands of fans and followers across multiple channels and is the host of the Relationship School podcast. He's also the visionary behind the Relationship School and his first book, which we'll talk about getting to zero. He has a lot of experience, a lot of education, a lot of training. And also this episode is not just for dealing with conflict in romantic relationships. We talk about friendships. We talk about family. We talk about your boss. We talk about your kids. So there's just so much that we dive into in this episode. I think you're really going to get a lot of value from it. Also, for those of you who are not in a relationship, but would love to be in one, I would love for you to join me this coming Monday night for my next group coaching call. I'm going to be talking about relationships and how to call in more epic relationships and love and all the good juicy stuff. If you go to christinehasler.com slash group, that's where you can sign up. It's only 20 bucks. And if you can't make it live, then you can get the recording. And if you're listening to this call after it happened, it's happening on October 18th, then you can also go grab the recordings as well. And I want to invite all of my ladies out there. There's one program in particular that's just for women who are calling in men. All my other programs are open to everyone and everything, but this particular program is based on how I drew in my husband as a woman who wanted to be with a man. It's called Be the Queen. You've heard me talk about it before. We are going to be starting our next class in November, and it's going to be the last group we teach live for quite a while, quite a while, at least a year, maybe more. So if you've wanted to do this, come join us. It's christinehaster.com slash be the queen. It's going to start November 30th. We're going to have a bonus call for those who sign up early on November 11th. And I really wanted to do this over the holidays because I know for me, when I was single, the holidays up through Valentine's Day were just dreadful. I just wanted to press fast forward, which is so sad because I love the holidays. I love winter. I love the holidays. I love the decorations. I love just all of it. And I just was robbed of so much joy in so many ways because I really wanted to be in relationship. So we're going to reframe your whole holiday, Valentine's Day, Thanksgiving, if you celebrated experience and give you a, a new view on love. And this program is open to people all over the world. We adjust the times of the call. So if you're in Europe or if you're in Australia or New Zealand or, you know, other parts of the world, we make it so that, you know, you can at least make some of the live calls. And of course they're all recorded. So all the information is on christinehaster.com slash be the queen. And if you have any specific questions, of course, you can reach out to jill at christinehasler.com. 
So before we dive in, I'm so excited to share with you that Organifi, one of our sponsors for the show, is launching one of my favorites. Well, they're relaunching one of my favorites just in time for the holidays, the gold chocolate. It's so good. It's the best hot chocolate drink you will ever have. So they're going to be relaunching it on October 19th and 20th. And you can go to Organifi.com slash over it and enter over it and order it before they launch to the public on 1021, right? So you can get special 20% off on the 19th and 20th. And it's one of those products that's so good. It may go out of stock. So if you want to try it, order on the 19th and 20th. If you're listening to the show after that date, no problem. Go to Organifi.com slash over it, O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash over it. So again, it's limited time. It's a soothing blend of Ayurvedic herbs, medicinal mushrooms, and organic cacao. It's a holistic alternative to hot chocolate, which calms your nervous system, enhances your immune response, and supports deeper rest with a nourishing blend of self-care. And oh my goodness, gold chocolate is so good. It's one of my favorite. Mix it with almond or coconut milk, unsweetened almond or coconut milk, and it's just, it's just delicious. I can't wait until mine arrives. So again, everybody go to Organifi.com slash over it and use the code over it for 20% off. And now on to my conversation with Jason. Jason, welcome back to the show. I'm happy to have you here. Thanks, Christine. Great to be here again. So a lot of people know you from the Relationship School and your Relationship School podcast and your work really helping couples and individuals have better relationships. And you are so much more than just a romantic relationship expert. You really understand communication and conflict. And I'm excited to dive into that with you today. So thanks for coming on to talk about conflict, everybody's favorite topic. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Thanks for having me. It's a hard one. It's a hard one. And especially my audience, my audience, I would say are very empathic, very sensitive, not in the fact that like they don't have tough skin or they're, you know, Oh, you're too sensitive, but sensitive in terms of they feel a lot. They're very compassionate. Mm -hmm. Probably a lot of people in that people pleasing patterns. And so many of them avoid conflict like the plague. Like I just don't want to have conflict. I'd rather not speak up or pretend I'm okay or find a way around it in romantic relationships, work relationships, friendships. So I'm I'm so glad we're having this conversation because I always tell my clients and people that instead of thinking of it as a confrontation, think of it as a clarification conversation because it's often in, you know, quote unquote conflict that we get clarity, but we we can't Mm -hmm. be so afraid of it. So let's start at the beginning, which is how do you even define conflict? Because I think people have different preconditioned ideas of what that is. Yeah, totally. A lot of people think it's like fighting and yelling and stuff. And it could be that. Uh, And it's often silence. Uh, It's distance. It's the text you didn't get returned to you. I define it mostly as it's a disconnection. It's an unresolved issue or a rupture between two people. And like I said, that can come in many forms. Mm, mm. And it could even be almost like unspoken sometimes. It doesn't have to be, like you said, a knockdown, drag out argument. It can just be a simple misunderstanding. Do both people have to know conflict is happening for there to be conflict? I don't think so. I don't think so either. Yeah. I mean, again, some of us are very unaware, right? They get, they're like, I didn't even know you were mad at me. Right. 
Um, but the, again, that's why I like disconnection because when, when you feel disconnected from the people you care most about, there's a conflict that's uncomfortable. There's so, there should be like a bad feeling there. Yeah. And why do you think we're so afraid of conflict? What does that really push on? Yeah, there's two primary factors. I mean, there's many, but the two big ones are it's our, in our biology. We're social mammals and we're wired to belong and connect. Mm. And when we're on the outs with a dyad or a group, it's threatening. Uh, and we don't like being alone and we don't do very well alone. And the research confirms that loneliness kills. So we don't want to be alone and we will do kind of anything to maintain, you know, connection with the herd, including abandon ourselves, which maybe we can get into that. Mm -hmm. So biology is one part. And then the other part is history. A lot of us grew up in families where conflict either was done poorly or it wasn't done at all. And we got whatever download we got from our environment. And usually that's not adequate enough uh, in adult relationships to help us through hard times with another person. So biology and history are two of the biggest ones. Mm -hmm. Is there any correlation between our um, sort of conditioned trauma response, the freeze, flight, um, fawn, or what's the other one? Freeze, flight, faint. fawn, fight, 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 freeze, faint, yeah. fawn, yes. <laughs> Those, all the Fs. <laughs> I usually can ramble them off, but not today. Yeah. <laughs> there are yeah, what was your question about those? If if there's a correlation to our trauma response and how we respond to conflict. Mm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I I say that, you know, conflict with other people, other people are the most threatening things out there these days in modern mm. society. And we usually we perceive threats in two main ways. Either someone's too close to us or in our space too much or they're too far away from us, too much distance. And when we perceive someone we care about, uh, as too in our grill or too far away, that's scary. And it sets off an alarm bell inside of us and triggers our scared animal to react and in these fight, flight, freeze kind of ways. And I call them, we disconnect, uh, our four disconnectors that we posture, we collapse, we seek or avoid under stress like that because we either want to get away or we want the connection to go, okay, we don't want the other person to go away. Mm-hmm. And how much of our response to conflict as adults is tied to our, how we were raised in our childhood? Oh man, a lot, um, for better or worse. Mm -hmm. It's, you know, some of us grew up in families that didn't fight at all and it was kind of every person for themselves. You just go to your room when you're upset and you just kind of figure it out on your own, uh, to, you know, really abusive conditions and relationships where there was hitting violence. Um, but most of us, I think, grew up in in pretty normal families where there was a lot of avoiding going on, or there was a lot of door slamming and voice raising. Uh, mm -hmm. Those are seem to be the most common for kind of what a lot of us grew up with. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's just hold everything inside and brush it under the rug, or let's just yell and scream and not get anything resolved. Neither is better. <laughs> they both yeah. are. They both are ineffective in terms of intimacy and making people feel safe. But you're right. We really yeah. didn't have models, so it's scary. It really can be very, very scary for us, especially I would say, I say I, I identify most with the freeze pattern. And so mm -hmm. oftentimes in conflict, I'm one of those people that thinks of such great things to say after the event. Yeah. But in yep. the moment, if there's conflict or somebody says or does something, I'm like, uh -huh. I just, I just choke up. So yeah, yeah go ahead. And do you, do you, pers do you usually go toward the other person or do you kind of go more into withdrawal? It depends. 
it depends on the situation. It depends on like how safe I feel with the person. Um, but I would say withdrawal. If I had to, if I had to choose one, it would be withdrawal and internalize. Yeah. Yeah. Again, very common, right? Mm -hmm. Um, cause that's how, maybe that's how you did it as a kid. And a lot of us, there is a correlation there or connection to, um, what, what we did as kids. I tried, I did both. I withdrew and went outside and climbed trees and just tried to, you know, calm myself down. And then I also tried to get things to be okay with my mom. For example, my dad was not really available, but I would try to kind of win her back in a way, you know, and each of us developed strategies, which I talk about in the book of how to basically not get rejected and how to keep the connection going. And those strategies are really, really cool. It's just in adult relationships, they start to get in the way. Can you go over a couple more of those strategies so people can really see themselves in this? Yeah. So again, think of posture, collapse, seek, or avoid. And posturing can be even acting like a different person or acting really funny or charming or nice. Um, Some people do the good boy, good girl thing, um, get good grades, just do really well in school to try to get the big people off my back or to make things better in the home. Other people were like, I'm going to be invisible and just, you know, lose myself in books or nature or my room or video games. And that way, you know, everything's better in my home. So, so each of us has, you know, kind of our style, but again, most of us gravitate towards, we, we tried to get the connection back or we just try to move away because that is better for the family. Mm. And you said earlier, abandoning ourselves. What do you mean by that? Yeah, great. So um, let me introduce a concept I call two shitty choices. <laughs> um, so when we're faced with an uncomfortable conversation with someone, and that's usually the beginning of a conflict, let's say we have a conflict or we just have something we're withholding or we have had a communication snag and we want to bring something difficult up, we have two choices. And most people frame them as two shitty choices. So choice A is I speak up, I tell the truth, and the other person gets upset we get in that makes the conflict worse and maybe they ultimately go away. They leave me, they reject me, they abandon me, whatever. Choice B is I don't say anything cause you know what? It's not worth it. I just will minimize it. I'll internalize it. It's not that big of a deal, but in doing so I have to betray myself cause now I'm keeping my truth inside. So you can either choice A is like speak up and lose the relationship. Choice B is um, don't speak up, but lose the relationship with myself. So that's two shitty mm-hmm. choices. They both sound bad, right? Yeah. So I always encourage people to take choice A and turn it into choice C, which I call courage through conflict or what you might call clarity, where, you know what, let's attempt to have a conversation. Let's be willing to be messy because I'd rather lose this relationship than lose my relationship with myself. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to take a risk and say something. And that's really the only way to get a satisfying, nourishing, deep relationship over time is you got to include yourself. You can't Mm -hmm. leave yourself behind. Mm-hmm. Oh, but if only it was that easy, for, especially for, <laughs> yeah. for people who really are so terrified, you know, because yeah. of childhood yeah. trauma or just parenting or, you know, so afraid to lose connection and they've just become so accustomed to getting by that not even realizing they're abandoning themselves, but just yeah, are so exactly. terrified of losing the connection or someone being mad at them. Where do they even begin? Because I'm sure the first step for people in that position is not just do it, right? Especially if there's a lot of trauma and a lot of triggers there. How do they even begin to unravel 
so much of what keeps them from being able to have these kind of conversations? Yeah, it's such a great question. I, I have a friend who just is getting a divorce because finally he's he's speaking up. Mm. After 15 years of not speaking up, and his in his words, he's like, I was going along to get along. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. what a lot of us do because we're scared, right? We, we're scared. It didn't go well as a kid. It didn't go well last time I tried. So I'm just going to go along to get along. But there's a price tag there. There's a big cost. So I think the very first thing is someone has to to feel and experience the cost of not speaking up and not being yourself and leaving yourself behind and deciding, do I want to keep doing this? And then once you make the decision like, okay, I'm a, I'm a yes, I'm going to go for it. Uh, how do I proceed now? Again, taking the view that conflict is a doorway. It's not just a door. And I might actually get stronger through this. And it's a growth opportunity for me. So once you're on board with all of that, then certainly we can get support from friends. We can get support from a therapist or a coach uh, to kind of walk us through it. And we can start with a vulnerable conversation with the person, um, the other person, and just say, hey, and we can take responsibility is the very first step to say, hey, I've been withholding in our relationship and I'm really, really scared to tell you that. I'm scared to even talk about it. Mm -hmm. But I just want to own that I've been holding back here and I haven't been bringing my full self and um, that's on me. Yeah. I can't believe you for that. And I just want to take responsibility for that. So I'm leading with ownership and vulnerability, um, which the other person still might get upset and still might feel criticized no matter how skillful you do it, which is okay. But at least you're doing it in the most um, responsible way possible. So that's a good way to start. Yeah, this has been such a big one for me in my marriage because I'm a withholder. He's an exploder. Mm-hmm. And so to the withholder, the exploder is very scary, very scary. And now I understand that we're basically doing the same thing. It just looks very, very different. Uh Um, Because my withholding, even though I'm not making slamming doors and using, you know, profanity and screaming, um, I'm still, I'm doing that on the inside. I'm Uh still withholding, which can scare him. But so much of my growth in this relationship has been going to my husband and saying, I have knots in my stomach. I'm sweaty. I'm really scared to have this conversation with you. And if I don't, I know I'm going to start being irritable, bitchy, pull back, and we're just going to have distance. So I have to just ask you, please. And sometimes I'll have him hold something. (laughs) Please hold this (laughs) and like a talking stick. Um, and like, as long as I'm talking or I hold it or whatever, we work it out and it, it, it makes such a difference. And now it's so much easier for me to talk to him. But those first few times, especially because our relationship accelerated so quickly and there was a lot at stake, we got married quickly. Like we got into the relationship quickly. I wanted it very badly. There's just a lot at stake. And and I, I was yeah. out of practice too. I hadn't been in a long-term relationship for for nearly a decade. So it really brought up a lot of anxiety for me. But it's just like I kept doing it and I kept doing it and I kept mm-hmm. doing it. Mm-hmm. And now not only do I withhold less, but he explodes less because we're not yeah. reacting to each other. So much of that dynamic was both of us avoiding dealing with the conflict in a healthy way. Yeah, I love that. That's great. Thanks for sharing all that. Yeah, I mean, it, it's people have to understand there's there's often two layers, if we want to keep this really simple, going on in any kind of conflict or rupture of the connection. And the top layer is like whatever happened, right? The thing that happened yesterday about the finances or 
um, the friend that didn't get invited and how come you invited her when I, my friend didn't get invited or there's some weird dynamic that happens. We get in conflict about, right? The everyday stuff. And then below that, there's this, what I call a security fight, which is really the, the attachment dynamic. Um, mm-hmm. and again, most people's attachment styles can be, can fall into the two categories of either seeking or avoiding. Um, I think those are just the easiest ways to describe them. Um, could be withholding or exploding. It could be pursuing or distancing, Mm. but it's all to me very similar, uh, terrain. And once we understand, oh, this is how you're wired. Oh, this is what you do under stress. Oh, this is how you did it as a kid. There can be a lot more empathy and understanding. And, you know, we don't have to make each other wrong for how we're wired in our nervous systems. And then we're working with that as a team to come back and repair as soon as possible and get back to a good place. And we're, we're educating each other about our nervous system and how we work. And when we have a kind of a learning mindset, this is all to me very interesting. It's sure it's uncomfortable, but, um, when we approach it in a team way, it's, uh, it sets us up for success over time. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And sometimes it's often easier in primary romantic relationships because we kind of know we have to deal with the conflict. We can't live with it, but I want to, I want to call myself out again because I tend to make excuses (laughs) for relationships that I don't see that much, but are still important, like friendships or family members. If someone says something and it really upsets me, I'll say to Steph, oh, it's really upset me. He's like, say something. I'm like, it's not worth it. They won't understand. Or I've tried before. Or, you know, I go into that whole, it's not worth it. They won't get it type of thing, which really is... I'm scared to confront it, you know? So how do we know this is, to me, it's kind of a fine line between knowing, you know what, I'm just going to let that go. It's not worth it. This is like walking into a Chinese restaurant and wanting nachos. This person isn't going to hear me versus I need to put my big girl pants on and speak my truth here. Yeah. Yeah. Again, good question. I mean, I think some of this is, is context and relationship dependent, right? So if this is an inner circle friend or family member that I consider very high stakes, very high importance to me. I'm, I'm with you where it's like, let's have the uncomfortable conversation as scary as it is because they matter to me. And that, that's what I'm leading with when I speak is I'm bringing this up because I care about you and I care about us. Mm-hmm. That's a really, that's like, Hey, I have our back as, as a relationship here. I, I want us to be in a better place or something didn't feel good to me. And I care so much about you that I'm going to bring it up that's really different than a few concentric circles out with the in-law or the family member that you maybe only see twice a year or the friend that, you know, comes in and out of your life. We get to make those choices. Like, you know what? It's not worth it. Mm -hmm. Um, I kind of know them. It's not going to go well. They don't have the resources to work through this with me. Uh, and we, we get to choose. I, I think we do in those circumstances. And I think if we do choose that, we have to have boundaries on that relationship. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah, exactly. Because because those people, whoever they are, might come back at us in the the neurotic kind of hurtful ways they do. And again, it's it's all an opportunity for us to take really good care of ourselves, set clear limits with these people, continue to train them and educate them on this is this is the new me, mm-hmm. this is the emerging me, that old thing I don't do that anymore. It doesn't work for me. And some people will actually not like that and and move out of our lives. And that's, yeah. That's fine. Yeah, that is fine. That's one thing I always think about when I tell clients too, and they're afraid of conflicts. Like you can't have an honest conversation with someone, even if it's messy, even if you're nervous, you don't have to be all Zen master when you go in there and 
you know, have this perfect communication. But if we can't have those conversations, then is that person really in our inner circle? Can we really yeah. call that person a friend or a loved one? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And the, the other quick point here I want to make is sometimes we tell, we, we create a story about what's the other person's going to do and therefore we withhold, right? We don't say anything. And I want the listener to remember that sometimes that's not true. We don't actually know how they're going to react or respond. And mm-hmm. when we don't speak up, we're robbing them the opportunity for them to grow and yeah. confront something inside of themselves that could be actually good for their development. Yep. So true. So true. And, and better for the relationship. Like we both said, like, this is the only way relationships get better. If you avoid conflict, you're going to end up with a divorce, like your friend or friendships that erode or whatever it is. And, you know, again, calling myself out that, that point of, oh, kind of going, why bother? But it really being like, oh, I'm just being lazy. I don't want to have the conversation. It's, it's, it's fine. And I don't want to create tension. So I'm, I'm not addressing the conflict, but avoiding more conflict inside myself. And the other person doesn't even know, but they're going to see me withdrawing. They're going to see me more short with them. Whereas if I, if I just have the conversation and deal with the consequences, then, you know, I'm not putting myself or them unknowingly in that position. So, which brings me to another question I have, you talk about the difference between inner and outer conflict. Can you define the difference between the two. Yeah, nice. I was just going to say something about that. So again, for the listener, it's think about anytime you try this on, anytime you avoid an outer conflict with another person, you're creating an inner conflict in yourself. Because remember my two shitty choices there. If I withhold, which is choice B, I now am dealing with that conflict inside. It didn't go anywhere. It's in me. Mm -hmm. Uh, My truth is inside. And that, um, that feels bad, especially if we're with the other person. There's a subtle way in which we're uh, not being congruent um, with them. Mm-hmm. We're not speaking up. We're not being honest and transparent. So I think that's an important frame because so many people that do avoid conflict don't quite get the cost. And the cost is you're creating an inner conflict and now you have two to deal with, the inner and mm-hmm. the outer. So again, it's if we want to carry less burden around um, I find it better to speak up. Yep. I always feel better after I do. I'm a nervous Nelly until I do, but I always feel better. And Steph always yeah. says to me, see, don't you feel better? See, it wasn't <laughs> that bad. See, I listened. I hear yeah. you. I'm like, thank you for the reassurance. But he's helping me. Yeah. We're helping each other rewire our nervous systems. We really yeah. are. Yeah. And that's what a, a great partnership gets to do is you guys are doing that for each other, which is so, so huge and so impactful. And I've had this with friendships too, you know, because so many, well, I can only speak from a female perspective. So many of female friendships are withholding, gossiping, talking behind back, holding resentments in and not just confronting each other where I see I'm making a huge generalizing sweeping statement. I'm aware of that. This isn't a hundred percent true, but whereas males generally just argue it out, punch it out. Like I was watching Ted Lasso my favorite show. And there was an argument between a guy was mad at another guy, but wanted to make up. Mm -hmm. So he's like, Hey, Jamie, come here. And he punches him in the face and then gives him a hug. We good. (laughs) Yeah, we're good. And it's like, yeah, the conflict is over. But I've noticed in so many of my female friendships, having these same conversations of like, this is what you're doing. This is my experience of it. 
has brought me to have much deeper and closer relationships with female friends and has healed a lot of that mean girl, um, Mm. younger Mm -hmm. ways of being. But again, you got to be willing to put yourself out there and express your needs and be willing, like you said, to lose the relationship. But most of the time you don't. That's the thing. Everybody's looking to be closer. Yeah, totally. And, and I think at the end of the day, people do want to be told the truth. They mm-hmm. want to be shown that kind of respect, you know? I agree. Yeah, and, I, and I would ch- mildly challenge your generalization about Please men. do. I only, love being challenged. <laughs> only because, and maybe it's because of who I work with, more, you know, nice guys or, or men that are sensitive and are feeling relationally that they're, there's something off in the, in the field, but they, they're just scared to bring it up. And these are guys mm-hmm. who will you know, climb the biggest mountains, they'll take the biggest risks financially. They're kind of fearless in a lot of places in their life. But when it comes to intimacy, and even the bedroom, there's a lot of fear, mm-hmm. you know, and for men to, because because a lot of men feel like it's not okay as a man to be scared inside of a relationship, particularly a guy who's more of a seeker, who under stress in conflict, he has, let's say, female partner goes away he feels fear. And mm. for a man to say, I feel scared that I'm going to lose you is for some men is very emasculating, right? It's like, Oh, I, I'm not a man. Right. But I, I just like, let's take off the gender labels. You're just a human being here, a social mm-hmm. mammal that of course you get uncomfortable given where you come from, that your partner's going away. You're, you're going to feel some fear and that's very mm-hmm. normal. It's very okay. And it's all about how do you work with that fear and get back into connection with this person in a collaborative way. Mm. Thank you for bringing this up. Well, so let's, let's expand on that a little more for in people who are partnered with men or maybe have a male son or colleague or friend. What are some ways that, you know, men kind of retract and we might think it's avoidance or stonewalling, but it's really fear. Totally. Yeah. Again, I'm asserting here that under stress with another person, whatever your strategies are, you're in fear. And, Mm -hmm. um, that's the bottom line. And so it's like, everybody is, our question is, how do I work with my own fear? What do I do? And can I name it out loud with the person? Mm -hmm. I got scared. So I withdrew. I got scared. So I pursued, I got scared. So I did this. I raised my voice, you know, like whatever. And I think for men in particular, it's really important for guys to start to take responsibility for how sensitive they are. And the most shut down kind of guy, this is going to be a challenge for him, and that was me a long time ago, is I was actually quite, quite sensitive. And part of the reason I was so shut down was because I was allowing everything in life to shut me down Mm. um, because I was feeling so much. And then I was claiming I didn't feel anything. So I I just want to challenge the men who are listening to consider that you're sensitive. And what Mm. would it be like? What would open up if you just started taking responsibility for that? And seeing mm. it as a gift, maybe. Yeah, I love that. And we all are. I mean, we just got finished teaching in our inner child workshop this past weekend. And we had men, women, people from all over the world, all different ages, all different cultures, backgrounds, races. And everybody is a hurt little child. <laughs> like everybody yeah. <laughs> is a hurt little child looking to be seen, looking to be heard, looking for validation, looking for belonging. Like we're we think we're so different and we're all the same. We just really mm-hmm. want connection. Right. We want to feel safe. And we've just yeah. got so much armor up and we're so afraid of conflict that we just isolate ourselves more and more and more and more. 
Yeah. Oh, the human experience. I know. It really so is tricky. It really is. Yeah, tender. That's a great word. So tender, tender and tricky. So let's talk about some dynamics. If you're in a relationship, it could be friendship, romantic relationship, whatever. And I eventually want to get to what about conflict when it's a superior? How do you handle that? Like your boss or something. Yeah. But you're you're in a dynamic with someone and you want to repair the conflict and they're more the avoider. They're more mm-hmm. the stonewaller. They're more the shutdown. What's the best way to approach someone when you when you want to repair who's like that? Well, it starts with our context. If we're in a collaborative relationship with this person, let's say it's a partner, we want to be operating under the assumption and the view that we get to collaborate on how to solve some of these problems. When I get kind of scared and I pursue you and you get scared and you withdraw, how are we as a team going to handle this? Mm. And I have this concept called standing for three. I take a stand for you. I take a stand for me and I take a stand for the relationship. So it's like three. And if we're, we're operating inside that view, then we get to have a collaborative conversation about, yeah, when you withdraw, this is what happens for me. What happens for you? And hmm, how can we help each other out in those moments? Because if I pursue you and I'm kind of needy and clingy, that's probably going to drive you further away. And if you keep withdrawing and you don't talk to me and you don't put a time limit on it, that's going to kind of freak me out over here. And I'm going to mm-hmm. get anxious and scared. And, and so given that that's how we are, how are we going to solve this problem? And once a couple can operate with that type of attitude and mindset, man, I, again, I think anything's possible. And it's going to be different for each nervous system what works. So one thing I can say to a person who's retreating, if I'm a pursuer, let's say, and I get a little anxious, I can just say, hey, I'm feeling um, over here, I'm just feeling scared. And I just want you to know that. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm just feeling scared. And that person who's retreating is like, huh, hmm, I don't know if I want to have that kind of impact on this person. Because mm-hmm. um, a lot of times people who are pursuing lead with language that drives the person further away. Such as, mm. where where are you? And hey, you need to come back here and we need to talk about this. And that kind of language that's coming from a place of anxiety typically doesn't um, get received very well by a person who's withdrawing. Yep. So that couple or that partnership has to find a new strategy there that works for both people. Because I, I want to be included here. I don't want to abandon myself to try to get the connection back. And I also don't want you to abandon yourself. This has to be a, a, a win-win here where we're both flexing a little bit. We're stretching, uh, doing the uncomfortable thing as a way to consider the other person. Mm, mm. Okay. Well, let me give you another scenario. Okay. Let's say you're with someone, again, friendship, romantic partner, whatever, who tends to be in your mind an overreactor. Drama, too sensitive, too much. And you want to repair, you want to talk, but you you avoid because they're going to overreact. They're not going to hear you. They're going to not necessarily explode, but just get hurt, get hypersensitive type of thing. How do you deal with someone like that that's on the other side? Yeah, such a good question. Well, I would find a label that works for them where they don't feel judged or criticized. Because um, mm. obviously overreactor or drama queen, drama, too much. You know, yeah. they, might, they might shut down. And yeah, I know you're just sure. giving the example to paint the picture yes, here. Yes, yes, I am. Um, of course. So we want to find like, huh, can we, can we have a name for this thing that you do when you get really emotional? And when you get that way, this is what happens for me. So we want to understand the impact on each other. Like when you behave this way and we talk about behavior, this is the impact over here. And when I behave 
this way, whatever my way is, that's the impact over there. Okay, given that, um, how can we be a team here on, hmm, on handling this? And I always talk about it's the repair afterwards. It's the cleanup, cleaning up the mess that's the most important part um, with whoever it is, whether it's an overreactor or someone who gets blows everything out of proportion and, you know. But again, we, if we understand human beings, we it's like, hmm, let's, let's assume they are over, overreacting. Why is that? What's, what's, what's actually occurring here? Is it possible that I'm the little landmine that I stepped on now feels like a massive deal, like a whole, like, oh God, our relationship's at stake all of a sudden. Mm -hmm. I only said this one little thing. Well, it's possible you stepped on a landmine and the landmine was connected to their past and their fears of abandonment or something that happened to them in their childhood. So of course they're reacting the way they are. I always like to think that all human behavior makes sense when you fully understand someone. Um, you kind of understand a person like that, like, oh yeah, this is how you do it when you get really stressed and triggered. This is kind of what it looks like. And without making them wrong, I just want to understand like, oh, right. And we both kind of go, wow, this is what happens. And can we have, can we open our heart there and have some compassion for, you know, it's kind of like you were saying about the hurt little kid there, that this was maybe a strategy as a kid, or maybe it was the best they could do. And it's still the best they could do. Hmm. Okay. Well, if that's the case, how do we as a team, work with this dynamic mm -hmm. uh, because there's impact. You can't just do your thing and get all emotional and point the finger everywhere. And that's not cool, but you should be allowed to feel. Right. So again, that, that couple or that uh, duo has to find a way uh, again as a team. And if you're, if, you know, we're not in a team conversation, like it's a family member, for example, and they have no interest in being a team. That's kind of a different, you know, response. I'd, I guess I'd give for that. Yeah. What do we do in that situation? Well, we, we start setting boundaries and we need to take good care of ourselves um, because I'm always a big fan of not asking family members to change who they are. Mm. I'm okay with asking family members to change behavior, but I'm not a big fan of asking parents or siblings or kids to fundamentally change their personhood because mm. um, mm. I think that's a losing battle and usually the other person ends up feeling judged, criticized, and, and just shuts down and they're, they're usually, it's not going to help them collaborate. Right. But I, I do get to ask for behavior change. I, I call them reasonable requests for behavior change. That's okay. But again, keeping the bar and the expectation really low. And so it's more about, I like to keep the locus of control in me. So it's like, hmm, how do I take care of myself in this family environment where I'm not seen, I'm not getting any needs met, people are rude to me, um, they tend to blow things out of proportion, they call me selfish. Given all of these <laughs> dynamics, how do I take really good care of me. Mm. And oftentimes it's about boundaries, having other people in our lives to go to when we feel really sad and alone there. Um, but not really like we have to watch the tendency to come into the particularly family of origin environments and expecting some kind of fantasy outcome. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. I've never yeah. done that. <laughs> Yeah, me neither. <laughs> Only four years straight of like one right. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. All right. Well, let's talk about when it's a superior. Like when there's okay. conflict with with a boss, with someone that you a mentor, someone that you no one's above us, but sometimes we perceive people are, right? Yeah. So right. That, um where a job could be at stake or your place in the community or your reputation, when it just feels like the stakes are really high. Yeah, uh, it's such a good question. I'm curious what you'd say as well. I mean, you know, I, I've had some of these conversations go down in my own life, and that went pretty badly, where I spoke up, 
um, and you know, nearly got fired and ended mm -hmm. up like people will show you their true colors, your, your mentor, yeah. your boss, when you bring up the uncomfortable conversation, and especially if you're bringing it up pretty skillfully and you're trying to take responsibility and you're leading with some vulnerability. And if the boss is stonewalling or doing some power trip thing, you know, you're going to get really good information about who they are. And then it's like, Hmm, do I want to keep working here? Uh, and I think that's the kind of evidence and information people need sometimes to give themselves permission to move on, right? Um, yeah. From the job or whatever, no matter how much they're getting paid. Uh, and then other times I've had it where I didn't say anything. And then I walked away um, throwing grenades and talking shit about the person because mm -hmm. I felt all resentful and entitled to kind of throw them under the bus. But I I'd never had the courage to actually bring it to their face. Mm. Right? Mm -hmm. And that didn't feel good either. You know, it felt fine to off gas for a while, but... Ultimately, that was pretty lame of me to not, again, show them the respect that, you know what, I don't like what's going on here. I'm going to speak up. I'm going to uh, take a risk here. And and again, I think if we were with awesome mentors and bosses, usually that gets rewarded. They're like, wow, thanks so much for the feedback. I appreciate your courage. Um, you just got a raise. Like, I just want to promote you because it seems like you can handle this stuff and I can't. So thanks. You know, like we can make an organization better by speaking up. Yeah. Is there, do you have any tips for how to approach it? Like how to, let's use the boss situation, how to yeah. say, Hey boss, I need to talk to you about something. How do we even begin that conversation? Yeah. I, I like what you said right there. Um, Hey boss, I've, um, you know, I'm a little nervous. I, I'm just, I have a couple of things that are challenging for me here at the company and I'm wondering if you're open to a conversation about it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, a lot of organizations have protocols for this, like how to give feedback and mm -hmm. the chain of command thing. But again, uh, I think it's our responsibility if something's not working in our company and we spot it and it's, it's kind of not working for us. It's our responsibility then to say something and, and find the proper channels and, and lead with responsibility, lead with care, lead with respect, mm -hmm. lead with vulnerability. You mm -hmm. know, Hey, I don't like what's happening here. I'm feeling, you know, I'm feeling really concerned about the bottom line. I'm I'm, I'm not putting my heart into this anymore. I'm losing steam because of X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, there, I think there's a number of ways we can keep talking about how the company is impacting us without doing a lot of finger pointing. Yeah. And so important, whether it's your boss or your, your kid's teacher or principal or a coach or, or whoever it is, it's so important. And you know, how I'd answer it is, um, everything you said and, I, I, I truly believe that life is school and every challenging relationship is an invitation for us to grow. Yes. So one of the questions when I've had clients in situations like this with the, you know, conflict with the superiors, just asking them, who does this person remind you of? And most nice. likely it's an old yeah. coach or mom or dad, dad or, <laughs> yeah, somebody from the past. And I'm like, well, one of the reasons you're having such a hard time having this conversation is because you're 12 or you're eight or you're 14. Yeah. And so yeah. we have to handle nice. the inner child and let them know, Hey, you don't have to be part of this conversation. Like grown up me is going to handle this. And I found when we can kind of resolve some of those original triggers, then it becomes a little easier to have those conversations. And then we stopped attracting those opportunities for us. You know, right. we, we stopped attracting the boss who was like the coach who humiliated us or the parent that was really hard on us because, I just see that we're, our soul's always seeking to evolve. And it. I don't believe that we're brought tests, but I believe we're brought opportunities to resolve things. 
so that, you know, the IntelliKey of the soul is just to evolve and belong and know we're whole and know we're complete and know we're loved. And we just have to go through some, as you said, tender experiences on, on the road there. But I think that's an important thing to keep in mind is we can really approach conflict as a life or death situation. But if we can look at it as like, this is just part of my learning. This is just part yeah. of my human experience. This is part of me learning how to human in a better way because we're clueless on how yeah. to do a oh lot of stuff. Totally. I, I really loved what you said. And I want to underscore it. Um, just this piece around um, maybe the lesson there's a, if we have repeating conflicts, let's say in our life, mm. whether it's with a partner, a boss or some, someone, someone that's difficult, right? It's so important to, to keep looking at our side and like, what is the opportunity for me to learn something I haven't yet learned being with this difficult person? And often it's about boundaries or speaking up and using our voice. And like you said, when we finally get that in ourselves and we like did the thing, we did the thing that we um, didn't know we were supposed to do. We finally like learn. We're like, oh, okay. I think I learned. We attract different challenges and we're done with that one. Right. So I, I, I really appreciate that frame. Yeah. It's, it's so true. Like there are things in my life that no longer happen, which is such yeah. a relief. <laughs> thank oh God that God. lesson is oh over. <laughs> Woo, thank God I passed that grade. That was a rough one. Yeah. And if we keep avoiding conflict, we're just going to have more of it. It's not it going to go away. Yeah. It compounds. I mean, I was working with a couple in our couples coaching training, uh, I showed a video of me working with a couple today uh, with my wife and the class where the couple has, they're, you know, it's courageous. They're finally coming to get help, but they have not dealt basically for six years. And a lot of people, it's longer for six years with their core, some of their just core intractable issues. And there was an affair, there was a business deal that went south and they haven't repaired any of it. So oh, wow. they're coming to this conversation with just this massive pile of shit that has never been addressed or repaired. And I'm like, God, no wonder you guys are so tired and stressed. Yep. You know? Yep. Yep. It takes up so much energy to have unresolved yeah. conflict in your life. It takes up it so much emotional and energetic real estate, even if you don't think it does, it does. And the relief you feel when you actually have the conversation or resolve it, or at least have a conversation, even if it's not resolved. And that was another thing I was going to ask you. In resolving conflict. It, it doesn't have to be an immediate thing, right? Like sometimes it can require several conversations. It's not like we can always have the That's expectation. Right. I'm going to have this conversation yep. and boom, I'm going to be done. Like it could take a while. It can take a while. Yeah. Thanks for that. Really, really important point here that it's not all tied up in a bow after a couple of nice little skills you learned in my book or from this podcast. Uh, sometimes it takes, you know, months uh, to get through something hard especially if you've been avoiding it. And, and if you keep chipping away and you keep learning and you're, you, you know, stay with it as a team and you stay in relationship around it, you can get there. Um, yeah. and sometimes you, you do need an outside facilitator to help you out and that's okay. That is, yeah. Thank you for bringing that up. That really is okay. Because a lot of times we're just too scared or we're too stuck in our patterns. Um, we can't see our blind spots and, and often it feels safer to have a mediator there. And I found that, in a lot of the couples work that, that I do and that Steph and I do together with clients by having a mediator in a safe space, especially the withholder is able to say some things and express some things yeah. that they don't feel comfortable to do. So if you feel like you really need that, especially one of your primary relationships, you can ask for that. And any tips on, on asking the person you're in relationship, um, I've even had friends ask if I would have a counseling session with them. 
So any tips on how to ask somebody, especially a romantic partner, to go to counseling with you? Yeah, for sure. I'm always a big fan of um, communicating through their values. So let's say partner B is really into their job and they're, they're, they work as a salesperson and, you know, it's stressful, high stakes kind of situation. And partner A is, wants to have the conversation, wants to bring the person to coaching or couples counseling or something. Partner A can say like, Hey, I know, um, how important work is right now and how stressed you are. And I'm wondering if you'd be willing to, you know, I I have an idea for some stress relief because we've been having challenges here and I know I'm not helping your stress levels always. And I wonder what it would be like for you, um, to come to some coaching with me to help you understand me better and to mm. help me understand you better. And so that you can stay focused at work and be less stressed at work. And so you can make more money, you know, get that raise you were wanting to get. Um, cause I, I think our stress actually is impacting your work. And I think if we just had a couple sessions, it might actually help you get what you want at work more. Mm. I right. So I, I didn't really say a whole lot about me. And, and sometimes if the person's pretty, not open to it. We have to use that kind of tactic. I think that that type of approach is is more effective. If they're pretty available, we can we can actually say, "Hey, I'm hurting over here," and I think you are too. And I think it'd be good for us to do this to strengthen our connection. Are you open to that? Yeah, I love that. I love that. And in the first example, you definitely weren't saying, "You don't do this. You don't do that. You're shut down. We need right. help." <laughs> like that, right. That's that doesn't usually probably work. Probably not going to work. <laughs> How about when you let's say that. We have somebody listening who has two employees that are in conflict with each other or two children that always seem, I mean, that's kind of normal, but it can cross the line of just not being normal and being something pretty pervasive in the household dynamic. So if you're in a position as a parent or a boss and you want to help two people navigate their conflict, any tips for that? Yeah. So the first thing is that parent or that boss needs to learn themselves how to work through, how to effectively get to the other side. I call it zero. It's like, how do you get back to a good place? And ideally, if you don't know how, but you want that result, you hire people or you have people on your team who know how. Mm -hmm. So that at your company, you always have a go-to facilitator or a process that you've learned to get back to a good place and to help two disgruntled or employees that are at odds, like work through their challenge. Mm. And I'm a big fan of, I think most with two willing people, most challenges are are workable and can you can get to the other side. It's mm. different if you have a very defended person who's, you know, stonewalling, gaslighting, doing that. That's that's a different situation. But for normal folks, uh yeah, it's like model the way, right? If we're a mm-hmm. parent, especially like Ellen and I take a lot of pride in how our home is, you know, it's a sanctuary. And mm. when things are off between us or one of our kids or whatever the dynamics are in the group, um, the commitment, everybody's commitment is let's, we're always going to get back to a good place and, and we have tools and we know how, and mom and dad actually show us how every day when they get into a snag or every week, they, they're modeling to us how to get back to a good place. Mm-hmm. And they're facilitating us when we're stuck. And we do, mm-hmm. we facilitate them constantly because they're, you know, two siblings are, are usually go at it quite a bit. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. I have a sister. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. What mm-hmm. do you think about arguing in front of your kids? Oh yeah. I'm a big fan. Um, especially if you know how, and it ends, you're, you're confident that you can keep getting back to a good place. But what, what I know of kids is let's say mom and dad don't know how, 
and they're nervous to, to fight in front of their kids. And so they always take it in the other room or they go outside or they wait till the kids are asleep. What that, what that teaches children is mom and dad don't have any problems and Mm -hmm. mom and dad's problems are meant to just be put in a closet and dealt with as an adult. And, and so those kids grow up not actually learning how to work through anything. Mm. So if mom and dad are scared and they're like, Oh shit, we don't really know how, but you're learning. Let's say you're listening to this podcast or you're working with Christine or something you're learning. And so you want to fight in front of your kids and be a student and be a white belt moving to a yellow belt, moving to a blue belt, moving to a green belt. Over time, your kids are going to see you learn a new skill and how vulnerable it was for you and how you did it. And that's going to be unbelievably inspiring for them. And you're going to show them how to learn. You're going to give them permission to learn how to work through relationship challenges. You're going to um, do all kinds of modeling there that's incredibly powerful. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Because if they see that conflict can be repaired, they're not going to be as scared of it. Yeah. They're going to understand it. And they're going to be yeah. like, oh, I can love someone and be upset. And totally. it doesn't mean I don't love them. It doesn't mean, because I think a lot of kids, especially if parents don't argue well or often or like hide it or withhold it, when they do see conflict, they're so afraid mom and dad are going to get divorced. Like yeah. it's it's going to be over. Um, or totally. people that do come from divorce homes, like only saw the chaos that conflict leads to divorce. Yeah. And so of course people are scared of conflict or scared of marriage because the models we have are not that good. Yeah. It's so understandable. Mm. Right. Yeah. Mm. And And this is really vulnerable stuff to learn and to admit I have something to learn is it's really tender and vulnerable as we've been saying. It is, but it's also freedom. You know, we can just go, I don't know. And I have something to learn and don't know a lot about this and we can get support and we can get guidance. It just takes so much of the pressure off, like to be a student um, and to just go, oh, I'm just not good at this. I need help with this. Exactly. Yeah. And we get the pressure. I love that. We don't have to pressure ourselves. We have to be on the summit of everything in our life. Right. So exhausting. It's so exhausting. (laughs) Oh, this was such a great conversation. I know that people are going to want more. Um, you've got your new book out, Getting to Zero. Tell us a little bit about this book and who's it, who is it for? Yeah, so it's called Getting to Zero, How to Work Through Conflict in Your High Stakes Relationships. And Getting to Zero just means getting back to that good place. Um, that's really what zero is. That's the baseline I have in my home. That's the baseline I have with my wife. Uh, I want to be in a good place because I have plenty of challenges. I don't want the challenge to be in my home. Yeah. Yeah. So this book is just really, it's a guidebook, a roadmap to, um, get back to a good place. That's really what the bottom line is of the book. And, um, you can find it at getting to zero book.com where you can take a conflict quiz, learn your conflict style and, uh, lots of other resources. If you want to go further. Oh, cool. I love quizzes. I'm going to learn my conflict style. Let me see if I can guess it. Cause you have the, the ones here or oh, no, do you have the conflict styles here? They're mm-hmm. modified a little bit in the book. Oh, um, they so are? they're just called the disconnectors. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Well, I'm going to take the quiz. Love quizzes. Nice. All right, everybody. So so go go check it out. Um, you can also check Jason out at his awesome podcast, The Relationship School. Always has so many great guests and great conversations. It's one of my- Including you and your, <laughs> your guy. Yep, we did. We did. And you guys came on our show too, you and Ellen. Um, yeah. So a great resource as well. And just appreciate you, Jason, so much. I've said this before. You just walk the talk and- Um, I I just love learning from you in terms of your marriage and how you parent and just how how you live your life. So thank you for the integrity that you have. Yeah, you're so welcome. And always, I always love chatting with you and I I feel 
excited for the day that we actually get to meet. I know it's going to happen. It's going to happen. (laughs) Got to get to Colorado. All right, everybody. I hope that this gave you, I know it gave you a lot of things to think about, a lot of information and hopefully some relief too. And you can approach conflict with a little more confidence and go, wow, this is actually something that's going to get me more of what I want in my life, more connection, not less, because that's, that's really what Jason's message is, is when you can not be scared of conflict and deal with conflict and see it as, a, as an opportunity to have more connection, you're going to feel more peace in your life. So anybody who is, has one of those conversations that they're dreading to have, maybe this will be your inspiration or maybe you get the book and then that will be inspiration. But we both encourage you to handle the unspoken in your life because it's just going to fester if you don't. Right, Jason? That's right. Yeah. Exactly. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thanks, Christine. 